Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here today for the Congregation of Prayer, Guide for Daily Meditation and Prayer Around God's Word. It is uh, Tuesday, May 31st, 2022, the end of the month. Our catechesis will continue in the Gospel according to St. Luke, which we've been doing the last uh, well, the last week or so. All right, uh, let me, I want to change one thing here. Try something different there. Because why not? Uh, school's out for summer, so that means a little bit of freedom here. All right. There we go. I think I like that better. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, let's say our memory verse for the week. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. John 3, verses 5 through 6. Our psalm for the week is Psalm 119, Aleph and Bait. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your just and righteous decrees. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you, let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the just decrees of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes, I will not forget your word. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right. Um, I'm going to greet you now. We've got Karen, Don and Karen as well. Donna, good to see you. Chris, Tim, Grace, Gus and Eileen, and Lori, all on Facebook, uh, joining us live. Also, Vicki is on YouTube. Good to have you all here and checking in. It's nice to see you back. Our first reading today is our last reading from Ecclesiastes for a while, Ecclesiastes 12. Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come, and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are not darkened, and the clouds do not return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men bow down, when the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look through the windows grow dim. 
when the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of grinding is low, when one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of music are brought low. Also they are afraid of height and of terrors in the way. When the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper is a burden, the desire and desire fails. For man goes to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Remember your Creator. Before the silver cord is loosed, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the well. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he taught the people knowledge. Yes, he pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find acceptable words, and what was written was upright, words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. And further, my son, be admonished by these. Of making many books there is no end, and much study is wearisome to the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. For fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. One of the things about um, knowledge, that's the conclusion of Ecclesiastes, the thing about knowledge um, is, uh, you think of the proverb, knowledge puffs up, but wisdom, uh, I forget the rest of the expression. (laughs) Uh, That's a problem. Knowledge puffs up, Uh, but love edifies. That's right. All right, that's the rest of it. Uh, It's uh, 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1. We know that we possess all knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. All right. The problem with knowledge, according to the scripture, just mere knowledge, is that, you know, and this could be from the sciences, this could be from uh, your study of literature, this could be from school, is that knowledge without wisdom uh, makes one, what do we, we have expressions for this, book smart. You've heard that expression, right? Um, to be uh, intelligent, but not not to be smart. I think it's somehow it's said that way as well. Uh, you think about some of the most intelligent people are also uh, the biggest idiots <laughs> in their own way, right? And how they live their life. Uh, so uh, this is what Solomon has sought to do here in uh, Ecclesiastes, which, we'll, which we just concluded, is that all of the knowledge of this world or even of the world to come or what is about to happen or what is happening, all that knowledge is nothing if it is not grounded in the wisdom of faith, Right? Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. Right? Everything else is vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. The only thing that ultimately matters is trust in God, namely trust in his son Jesus um, and in the commandments that he has given, which is to hear his word, to be forgiven of your sins, um, to be baptized in his name, and to be fed his body and blood. Those are his commandments. Right? That's all. <laughs> That's the life of the Christian. Right, which then spins out um, in fear, or excuse me, in love for your neighbor, right? Whether acts of charity or generosity, um, service, these things then are a fruit of that fear of God and of His commandments, of His institutions, you might say. All right, um, everything else is just vanity. Right, goes back to the dust, as He says. The golden bowl is broken. The pitcher shattered at the fountain. You can't take it with you. You've heard that say. Do not forget your Creator. The one who gave you life is the one who will take life in his day. All right. So there it is. Uh, we're going to look at the prophet Amos next. Um, 
for the rest of the week. But today, our reading for catechesis is the beginning of Jesus's Sermon on the Plain. Right? Remember, he just called the twelve to him, uh, the first part of this chapter. All right, and there were the multitudes coming out to him for healing of their disease, relief of their unclean of the unclean spirits, and that they might touch him. All right, and here we go. Then he lifted up his eyes toward his disciples and said, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so they did their fathers to the false prophets. All right. These should sound familiar. You probably know the Beatitudes as recorded by um, by Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, which I think which I think is Matthew chapter 5, if I remember right, all right, uh, with the blessings, right? Uh, we'll talk more about that. First, uh, who does Jesus look to? He looks toward his disciples, right? So this is catechesis of his disciples. It doesn't mean others don't hear and won't benefit from it, but it's, it's directed towards them. And a disciple, of course, is a believer in Jesus, right, who follows him. You could divide this section, these verses, into two halves, right? Um, and it's that word that repeats. So, blessing and woe. Blessing and woe. This is not, uh, it's not unique to Jesus. This pattern was established by uh, Moses, actually. All right? So, this is why many thought of him as the new, uh, Jesus as the new Moses. I think, especially like Deuteronomy 28, Listen to this. This will sound familiar. Now, it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. And then it says the Lord himself will do all these things, right? I'm responding to all of that. But, verse 15, it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to carefully observe all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the country. Cursed shall you be in your basket, or shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land. Right? Why? The Lord will send these things upon you. Why? Because you fail to listen. All right? And it goes on and on and on. Oh, the curses are much longer than the blessings. All right? This all comes, uh, again, in Deuteronomy 28 and... Then he preaches again in Deuteronomy 30, and he does the same thing again, right? And then Joshua is chosen, right? So these are the farewell sermons of Moses. So maybe you didn't know the origin of it, but there you go. Um, But the reason why we wanted to look at uh, Moses is it's the same thing here. 
What's behind these blessings and woes? Either faithfulness or unfaithfulness to the word of God, right? Um, Honor your father and your mother that it may go well with you and that you live long in the earth, right? Um, The commandment there to listen to your parents has the blessing of long life attached to it. The promise of listening to God's word has the promise of these blessings attached to it, right? And of course, not obeying. Exactly. All right. Um, so we're going to talk about it. Now, one of the one of the things you might note, have noticed is that this sounds different than what you maybe remember hearing from Matthew, right? So it is a little bit different in Luke. Um, it has a different direction. It's it's also, you know, I think by most scholars called uh, considered a different sermon, although it has similar elements. So it's told on another occasion here on the plain rather than on the mountain. So uh, with a different purpose then, right? So think about the poor. Um, now the poor in Luke have a very particular kind of character. So blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. So for example, Luke 4, um, let's see, you have there Jesus coming into Nazareth, right? And then remember he read from the prophet Isaiah and he said, the spirit of the Lord has is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, right? So it's not poor, um, in the sense of wealth, but it's poor in the sense of lacking the forgiveness of sins. Uh, let's see, we can go ahead. Let me try to scroll here. My computer's running a little slow. Uh, Matthew 7. Yeah, there it is. Um, John sends his disciples to Jesus. Are you the coming one? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. And here it is again. The poor have the gospel preached to them. Again, quoting from Isaiah 6. All right. Scrolling forward even more, Luke 14. um, Jesus says, well, he tells the parable of the ambitious guest, I guess is what you might call it. But listen to this. Then he also said to him who invited him, when you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And then after the parable, or at the conclusion of the uh, parable of the great supper, uh, not quite the conclusion, in the middle of it, right? So the servant came and reported these things to his master. And the master of the house, remember, they denied the invitation, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. So you see those often go together. Um, Luke 16, I'm just keep giving you a summary here. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who were laid at his gate, remember? And he's described as a beggar, right? A poor man. Um, but of course, he receives his reward in heaven, and the rich man, his due penalty, all right? Um, With the rich young ruler. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, come and follow me, right? So there, it is material wealth, but of course, it's an indication of his faithlessness because he refuses to care for the poor. But in terms of faithfulness, just a few, the next chapter, you have him contrasted with, um, excuse me, with Zacchaeus, right? Look, Lord, I get, I give half of my goods to the poor, and I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation. I restore fourfold, all right? So there you have um, Zacchaeus in faith, 
restoring what he had defrauded and caring for the poor. Um, and then you have the widow's might, of course. That's another example. Truly, I say to you that the poor widow has put in more than all, for all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God, but she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. All right. So if we had to summarize there, um, these are those um, upon whom the faithful are to bestow their mercy. Right. Um, they are, these are those who are totally reliant upon God for life, right? not self-reliant. Why is the kingdom of God theirs? Because they live um, in trust in Christ alone. Right? Um, I think, uh, well, Ethan reminded us in Bible study on Sunday, right? Luther's final uh, words, they were written on a sheet in his, in his uh, breast pocket um, so that his pastor could read them, um, even if Luther failed to be able to speak. And it said, Wir sind alle Bettler. That's just richtig, right? We are all beggars. This is true, or this is right. Hmm. We are all beggars. That's the that's the position um, that Jesus would have us take to recognize that no matter how wealthy we are in, in material or earthly kind of terms, um, we are utterly dependent upon God for what we need, and namely for the kingdom. All right. So hungry, um, we have of course the temptation story, right? Jesus being hungry. There we have the uh, Sabbath story, which we just heard back in chapter four, right? Uh, where his disciple Jesus and his disciples were hungry. Um, maybe I think what would be another story that we haven't that I forgot there. We have the temptation. How about filling the hungry with good things? Oh yeah, that's in uh, the Magnificat, right? That would be another example. All right. Um, the hungry then. Filling the hungry with good things. Again, this is a spiritual expression. It's not simply physical, although physical can lead to the spiritual, right? Uh, as we uh, eat and drink upon Christ's body and blood, we receive forgiveness, life, and salvation. So these are those who have longed for the Lord's mercy. They hunger and thirst for righteousness, for his mercy. And then how shall they be filled? Well, in uh, Luke's gospel, uh, let's see, Luke 9, we've got the feeding of the 5,000, right? Who ate and were filled. We have the young man in Luke 15 uh, who wasted all his inheritance, the the uh, the lost son, right? And could not be filled until he returned to the feast of his father's home, right? And then in uh, Luke 16, you have, again, Lazarus in the parable, who is not filled in this life until he's taken to the bosom of Abraham. Yep, there's that's right. Uh, the prodigal son was hungry. That's uh, Luke 15, 16. I don't call him the prodigal son because I think it's the wrong emphasis. I call him the lost son, the lost son. It isn't that he squandered all of his father's wealth, although that is part of the story. It's that he forsook his father and um, he went astray like a like a lamb, um, like the lost lamb or the lost coin. Mm-hmm. Um, now, who are those who weep? Which was there in uh, verse 21. All right, there's all sorts of accounts of weeping, actually, in Luke's gospel. It does seem to be a focus. This is very similar to Matthew, actually, where there the Beatitudes kind of set the tone for um, the actions that will, Jesus will take through the rest of the gospel here. I think the Sermon on the Plain has a similar function uh, in Luke. Um, so we have uh, in Luke 7, you have the widow at Nain. Um, Luke 8, you've got the sinful woman who was anointed who anointed Jesus. Um, you have Luke 19, where you have those who mourned um, the death of the 12-year-old girl. Right? And then Luke 22, you've got Jesus himself weeping as he gazed upon Jerusalem because they rejected him. Of course, Peter, after he had denied Jesus three times, wept in Luke's gospel. 
Uh, and then actually Luke has that unique account of the women who are on uh, the Via Della Rosa, right? On the way of the cross, who, um, who Jesus turns and looks at as he's carrying the cross. He says, do not weep for me. Right? So all of the accounts here uh, identify those who suffer under the burden of sin and death and are seeking relief in Jesus. They're, they're literally weeping over their condition, who they are um, outside of Christ. Uh, Chris asks, aren't we always hungry for the righteousness of God? Um, well, the faithful are, absolutely, yeah. That's what faith does, is it, it says, I fear, love, and trust in God for all that I need for body and life, um, including uh, my righteousness, my forgiveness, which comes by forgiveness, I should say. All right. So those who weep, uh, for you shall laugh, right, in the resurrection. Then, verse 22, this one's um, pretty vivid, right? Who was hated, excluded, reviled, and his name cast out as evil? The Son of Man, right? So when, when you were persecuted, uh, it is, I tried to provide a little correction. It was a subtext on Sunday in the sermon. But uh, to bear one's cross or to carry the yoke of, that Christ puts on you is the confession uh, of faith, right? That's, that's the cross that we bear, is confessing Christ. When we are hated, excluded, and reviled and cast out as evil because we trust in Christ and we hold firmly to his word. Right? Now, that may be manifest in any number of, of ways, like being committed to um, marriage as God has instituted it, or to faithful attendance to, to um, the institutions that the Lord has established, including his church, his word, uh, and the sacraments. Um, it may be the uh, defense of your neighbor in the face of oppression, right? That uh, you do that for the, because Jesus says, when you're uh, clothed or hungry or naked or in prison, um, you've done it unto me, right? When we're persecuted for those things or reviled or mocked or whatever, um, then we are blessed, according to Jesus. Hmm. Um, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Uh, I think this is a pretty strong reference to a particular individual who also was hated, excluded, reviled, and cast out as evil because he, because he trusted in Jesus, who happened to be his cousin <laughs> in an earthly sense and his God in a heavenly sense. This would be John the Baptist. Remember, he leapt in his mother's womb, right? And now leaps in the resurrection. All right, so why are the apostles, remember the sermons being preached to the disciples, and the twelve are considered the apostles, the sent ones. Why is this ha- going to happen to them? Because their fathers, the persecutors, their fathers did the same thing to the faithful prophets who came before. Uh, this is one of the benefits of the scriptures, I would say, is that it has established the pattern um, for our experience. Take Solomon at his word on this, that there is nothing new under the sun. And so what we experience, what we see, what we have happen to us is not is nothing new. We are not tempted in ways that others have not been tempted. Maybe the, the form or the style of the temptation has changed, but the substance of it ultimately hasn't. Um, and the same thing goes for history. I listened to a, a pretty helpful summary of how the, the pattern for what we're experiencing now is very similar to the pattern that um, happened um, to our country or in, or other countries or the nation, nations of the world um, about 100 years ago. I think 1918 to 1921. Same really pattern of things have happened before. Why? Because we don't remember our history. This is one of the reasons, again, the scriptures are beneficial to us, especially the histories that we read through, like the histories of the kings. We did that uh, through the school year. How beneficial that is to see... Um, 
kind of the behavior and the actions of kings, whether they claim to be uh, faithful to God or not, um, we don't really see anything all that unique and different than what we see today. And we also learn that faithful kings are fairly rare, <laughs> right? How helpful that is. Same thing here, for in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. Jesus sets up the pattern of the histories, of the, the history of God's people to say, don't be surprised because these things have happened um, to those who were faithful who came before the prophets. Uh, you also have then Jesus linking, I think interestingly enough here, he has them, he's linking the prophetic office with the apostolic office. So what happened to the prophets will happen to the apostles. The distinction between the prophets and the apostles is that the prophets look forward to Jesus, the apostles um, carry forth Jesus into the world. Right? Okay. Uh, there's a parable that talks about this. Uh, so if you if you need it from another scripture from Jesus, um, there you want to look at Luke 20. It's one of the last parables um, before his passion. It's the parable of the uh, the wicked uh, vine dressers, right? Uh, where G- where um, the man planted the vineyard, leased it to vine dressers. When it was vintage time, he sent his servant to the vine dressers that they might give him some fruit of the vineyard. But they beat him and left him em- or sent him away empty handed. Sent another servant. They beat him also, treated him shamefully, and sent him away empty handed. Then he sent a third. And they wounded him and cast him out. So the owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? I will send my beloved son. That's profound, yeah. Pro- uh, probably they will respect him when they see him. But the vine dressers saw him. They reasoned among themselves, saying, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard. Think um, Cal- uh, uh, Golgotha, right? And killed him. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. When they heard it, they said, certainly not. Then he looked at them and said, what then is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Whoever falls on that stone will be broken. But on whom it ever it falls, it will grind him to powder. All right? So Christ, um, we, he literally, we're wounded on there. That is, our, our sins are exposed um, but for those who reject Christ, um, he becomes like the grinding stone, um, destroys. There is a consequence for rejecting Christ. All right, so that's a powerful parable. That's Luke 20. It really confesses what you see right in front of you. All right, and then the last section, the woes. Uh, we have woe to those who are rich, um, which is analogous. And so we see the parallels here to the poor and the hungry and the hunger and the mourning and weeping, the mourning and weeping. But first, the rich. Um, who are the rich in Luke's gospel? Do we need some examples of that? I think we looked at it with like the rich young ruler. Uh, ultimately, the rich for Luke, I don't think we're going to go through them all um, that I have noted here. But those who trust in their earthly possessions for life, um, that could in- include things like others, um, leaders, rulers, welfare state, whatever you want to say, pharma- pharmaceuticals to save them from death, that sort of thing, um, and that they can repay men in this life for life. It is true um, that if you are wealthy in this life, you receive good things in this life, generally speaking, right? Um, but they will lose their lives ultimately if they live outside of faith in Christ, right? So being rich isn't the problem. The problem is being um, rich in an earthly sense, but, uh, but not um, dependent upon God uh, in a heavenly sense, right? Um, so it is true, and you see this throughout like with Zacchaeus is the notable example in Luke's gospel. Uh, I think that's Luke 21. Um, it's a powerful story, right? Because you can see that the gift of faith can be given and turn them from trusting in their riches 
Of course, you note, when they no longer trust in their riches, what do they do with them? They're like Luther. Um, they hold on to them with their fingers wide open, right? So, uh, or you can think of uh, Boaz, right? Where he commanded his, his reapers um, to allow, you know, what falls to the ground to remain so that Ruth and the other gleaners could come and, and gather up what is left over. So he's quite wealthy, uh, and yet um, he doesn't hold on so tightly that it all is his, but he allows others to receive of the benefits the Lord has given him. All right. Um, for you have received your consolation, right? Where does true consolation comes? come, I should say? Only from Jesus. Only from Jesus. All right. Let's do a meditation on the text. Jesus contrasts the true joy and consolation that he offers with the fleeting joys and riches of this life. The contrast is really between those who live the life of repentance, trusting in the forgiveness of sins, and those who are content with their own works and the approval of men. Those who cling to Christ will share in the sorrows and joys of the new Adam, just as they already share in the woes of the first Adam. Jesus looks toward those who will preach repentance and the forgiveness of sins, and knows that they will be treated no better than the prophets before them. Yet, we will be made to leap for joy in the womb of our mother, the church, at the good news of Christ, who has come for the consolation of Israel, defeats death, and shatters the power of sin. Yes. Um, so Chris says, uh, God does give you all good things for you believe in Christ, right? Yes. Um, it's just a matter of seeing all things as being good. <laughs> um, being content with what the Lord gives rather than... Um, always looking for your contentment in that which the Lord has not given, right? Uh, that desperate pursuit of wealth. So one of the, uh, what I'm suggesting here is one of the ways, I've seen this actually, especially in third world um, settings, is that uh, there's an incredible sense of contentment for Christians in those settings, despite their incredible poverty in an earthly sense. How can that be? They see that everything they have is a gift from God, and how the Lord gives is, is up to him. They don't look to others in envy, and say, well, God has blessed them more richly than I. Right? All right. So that's the kind of the key there. Good. Baptism. What is baptism? Baptism is not just plain water, but it is the water included in God's command and combined with God's word, which is that word of God. Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Matthew, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What benefits does baptism give? It works forgiveness of sins, rescues from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this, as the words and promises of God declare. Which are these words and promises of God? Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Mark, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. All right, let's sing our hymn for the week. Oh, I don't have it quite ready queued up yet. Um... God loved the world so that he gave. We could try to do it without accompaniment, but I'll spare you that. Let's see. Yes, that's right. I recorded at home yesterday. Usually the thing I do on the first day of the week. Uh, 571, right? All right. So you have to give it a minute because I've got it in the cloud. Save my hard drive space here. Okay. Here we go. Now it's downloading and then we'll sing. Okay.
justified by Jesus' blood. Your baptism grants the highest God. If you are sick, if death is near, this truth your troubled heart can cheer. Christ Jesus saves your soul from death. That is the firmest ground of faith. Lord, we Let us pray. O King of glory, Lord of hosts, uplifted in triumph far above all heavens, leave us not without consolation, but send us the Spirit of truth, whom you promised from the Father. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray today for deliverance against temptation and evil, for the addicted and despairing, for the tortured and oppressed, and for those struggling with sin. We pray also with Julie, who celebrates her birthday, with Lindsay, who celebrates her baptism, We pray for the households of our church, especially this week with Michael and Michelle, Joe, Dale and Pam, Summer, Greg and Sharon, and Jessica. We pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Bev, Kelsey, Amanda, Dan, Brad, Timothy, Pastor Kretschmar, Merlin, Jim, and Mike. Pray for our homebound, Bev, Willis, Ed, Mickey, and Paul. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially the work of Lutherans for Life. We ask the Lord for a preservation and increase of humility. We continue to pray for the community of Uvalde, Texas. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right. Lord's blessings to you this day and always. I uh, hope you enjoyed the day. Oh, it's kind of cloudy now. I don't know what's going on, but at least it's breezy. Um, I hope you don't have too much planned, but you can enjoy the week. And uh, we'll see you again tomorrow morning for prayer. You're welcome, Don. All right. We'll see you. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sherman Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. 
If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.